Welcome, welcome, welcome to the QC Hornets Nest, the podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. This is your place to get all the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't and give you the inside access other shows can't. This week, I'm joined by Norm Richardson. We discuss how we got into coaching, his role on Steve Clifford's staff, transitioning from one staff to another, what he enjoys most about Charlotte, of course, his impression of the mellow ball, and more. So are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. We're back here another week here in the QC Hornets Nest. And, well, what a week has been for the Hornets. It's been a losing week for them since we last spoke. Uh, they have lost nine straight games going into their rest of their Florida road trip when they have to face Miami um, again and then also take on Orlando, which blew them out by 20 points a couple of weeks back. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly how the Hornets pick themselves up because it's definitely been a struggle, you know, to essentially go back to how things were when they were three and three and kind of feeling good about themselves and to lose nine straight and to have still not have their entire team back at this point is pretty um, frustrating and a little bit concerning, honestly, because, you know, when it came to the injuries of LaMelo Ball and Cody Martin going back into the preseason, it seemed like maybe it would be a, you know, a couple of weeks at most before you saw those two guys back. You know, Terry Rozier, you know, obviously went down in the home open against New Orleans, and he was out for, um, you know, a couple of weeks and came back in his return. And Dennis Smith Jr., uh, got banged up um, over the weekend, and then he was able to still fight through it and still uh, played essentially until he got injured again um, against the Miami Heat when he came down on Kyle Lowry's foot and sprained his left ankle once more, same ankle he's hurt the previous weekend. So injuries have really bitten the Hornets really rather badly here um, start the season, and they need their full team back. Let's be, let's be honest. It, it was a good start at first a good story per se to kind of see them um, battling through the adversity they were going through these injuries. But right now they need their guys back. So the, the obvious question first becomes when do they come back? And at this point it still is unclear as we head into the weekend. But my guess is you're going to see them sooner than later because it's not so much that you want to, get them back just because you want your full team back. But that's kind of been the issue here is people wondering, well, why, why haven't they played? What's going on with LaMelo and what's going on with Cody? And, and it's because they want to be a hundred percent before they come back. And I think with LaMelo, we may have still had a couple of years back when he had the wrist injury and he came back and maybe wasn't himself right away. But the ankle injury is totally different because that's where your explosiveness is. You land on obviously your legs a lot and you want to make sure that you're a full go and don't have any soreness or any hesitation in the back of your mind when you're out there in the floor. So same thing with Cody Martin. I've spoke to him several times um, about it and he just kind of is, is waiting until his body tells him it's go time. So we don't have a specific answer when that'll be. Um, but my guess is it's going to be sooner than later within the next couple of games here. I would say probably for sure. Um, you know, the next three games that they got coming up, again, that Florida road trip, 
then even when they come back home to host Indiana, it could be um, even that game if we don't see them in Florida. So it's very important, though, for the Hornets to not break the mental psyche that they have going on right now because a nine-game losing streak, uh, not having your full players out there, essentially being in pretty much every game, um, with the exception of probably two of them, two or three of them, um, essentially being right there and having the lead in the fourth quarter or even overtime and not being able to pull out has been overly frustrating for these guys. So but to wait and see how, how it shakes out over the next week here. They can kind of salvage what they have going on because it's a little bit silly to hear the tank talk once again um, from some fans and saying we're right on schedule. The Hornets players are not trying to tank whatsoever. They're trying to go out there and win. They don't want to go out there and lose these games on purpose. That's not what professionals do, um, especially these guys. You know, I've been around them for years now, and I don't get that sense at all that they're not bothered, angered, frustrated, flustered, all these different things about how things, how they're playing right now, but. Without a doubt, they need to have their players come back as soon as possible, but also when they come back, they have to be healthy enough to the point where they're not going to miss time um, if they tweak it slightly in a game two, three, or four once they come back. But LaMelo Ball obviously is the engine for this team, and you can see as the games go on that they miss his just his flair out there, um, his pace. And this Smith Jr. has done a very, very good job in his place. And it's been probably one of the biggest surprises to me on his team, considering that he signed a non-guaranteed deal, one-year deal, just days before training camp began. But if you can have your all-star point guard come back and then have Dennis Smith Jr. come off the bench and back him up and be a defensive force out there for you, as well as a, a floor general, then the Hornets could be a much better team. So we'll see how they look when they get everybody together. And that will be the next question is, once they do get everybody together, how long will it take for them to kind of figure out what combinations work best on the floor to be able to get them some wins? Because right now, it's struggle time. All right, this week's mailbag. we got time for one question this week. And it's uh, one that I seem to get a lot. So let's go ahead and dive into it real quick. And it comes from... Chancellor Sykes on Twitter. Twitter handle is at C-S-I-K-E-S-1. And the question is, honest question, what do you believe is the reasoning to starting Plumlee as in Mason Plumlee over Richards, Nick Richards? Is it his rebounding or is it because he's a better passer out of post because offense Richards looks to have the edge? Well, I think eventually, let me say this, eventually this season, I believe at some point you might see Nick Richards starting just because he brings a different kind of force to the game early on. But the thing I'll say about Mason Plumlee is this. He's actually, his numbers are up in pretty much every category this season, if you look at it so far. He averages 8.3 points per game in his career. He's at 9.1 through 13 games. Same with his rebounds. Rebounds, he averages 6.7 per game. He's at 9.1. So he's almost averaging a double-double. So you mentioned the rebounds. Yes, he collects rebounds. Sometimes I look up the first quarter, he has five alone. So 
he kind of gets them in bunches. And but the biggest thing you mentioned is yes, his passing. Career wise, he's averaging two point five assists this season through thirteen games. He's averaging four point two. So he's basically up that category. Same with field goals, sixty point three percent compared to fifty eight point five percent for his career, and also free throw percentage. We know he's shooting lefty free throws, and it can be a venture at times. So he's actually shooting. 56.6% compared to 55.7% for his career. So again, he's not going to wow you with what he's doing, but the coaching staff just likes his steadiness at times out there. His, you know, obviously his, his, some of his flaws are, he's not a great rim protector. He can be at times, but um, you know, he's not, doesn't have that same kind of girth and, and force and strength that say a Nick Richards does because Mace is kind of long and kind of tall and, and slim. But he does do different things that the coaching staff likes. And I think eventually, yeah, you might see Nick Richards starting. But Mason is doing things that sometimes you don't see. What happens is, as I mentioned a couple of you know, weeks back when I wrote, sometimes his errors kind of overtake the good that he does out there. Because if he's making a turnover at the end of the game when he should be passing the ball, as opposed to trying to be a point guard or... Um, if to get rim protection is not being great because points in the paint are essentially, um, you know, being given up way too easily to the other team, then those kind of things stick out at times and make fans out there annoyed with him. But the coaching staff likes what he brings to the table. Again, doesn't mean that he's perfect and doesn't mean that he's going to be starting the entire season. Not really sure about that. But Mason numbers actually up across the board this year. And believe it or not, it's actually one of the players that actually have been performing better than expectations for them this season. So even though he may have frustrated you fans out there and, and sometimes you wonder, oh, why is Nick Richards not playing more? Well, I think he will eventually. Like anything else, Steve Clifford's trying to feel this team out and they don't have their full rosters I mentioned earlier. So we'll see how it shakes out over the next couple of months here. But Mason's Plumlee's numbers as of now are up across the board. And I can't see the coaching staff yanking him out of start lineup just because of that. That makes no sense. So at some point, if maybe he starts dipping in production and things don't go well and he's in foul trouble way too much, maybe changes or something. Um, but right now, he's going to be starting for the Charlotte Hornets at center position. So thanks for the question. It's, it's something that, again, we'll explore all season. Doesn't mean that's going to be written in gospel. Um, two weeks from now, no. But as of right now, that's why he's still there because he gives them a different look off gate. And I think Steve Clifford just likes what he brings to the table. And we'll see if that continues throughout the rest of the season. Thanks again for the question. The mailbags, again, my, one of my favorite parts of doing the podcast. I like interacting with you guys. We'll start getting them going a little bit more here. Um, so once again, thanks. And uh, I look forward to, to taking some more questions next week. All right, this week we are joined by Norm Richardson, my guy. What's up, Norm? How you doing, man? What's up, Rod? How you doing, brother? Good to see I'm you, doing, man. Yeah, good to see you too, man. I mean, first of all, let's talk about um, shout out to Long Island, New York, Uniondale, and Hempstead because you are Mr. Hofstra, and I live next to Hofstra, covered Hofstra for Newsday for a couple of years. So let's start with there, man. Just to start with your college career. If people don't know about you. How did you get into playing ball and going to Hofstra, stuff like that, man? Well, I had an older brother that played basketball, and I kind of followed his footsteps. Uh, I went, I just went to do 
whatever he was doing. And I kind of just, you know, just rode, just, just rode the ride with him. And, uh, and you know, eventually I started getting better. And I was lucky to earn a scholarship to a Division One school. Um, Jay Wright was there at the time. And my best friend in high school signed with Hofstra, so I decided to, to, to go to Hofstra with him. And, uh, you know, it was one of the best experiences of my life. I had a good time at Hofstra. Uh, obviously, we had some success. Played with some really good players. Uh, was coached by a Hall of Fame coach and a great coaching staff. So it was a blessing, and um, I'm very, very happy I made that decision. We mentioned Jay Wright. I mean, what did you learn from him that you're using now that you're a coach? You know, it's funny. Uh, you know, it's, I, I talk to him, and whenever I speak to him, I always mention, um, you know, he always talk about attitude. And, you know, at the time, you know, when you're a young guy, you don't really know how important that is, you know, not just in basketball, but in everyday life. And, uh, and I kind of, you know, I kind of took that with me as I got older, you know, just having the right attitude, the right approach, trying to stay positive, not getting too high, too low. And that's how he coaches, and that's how he is as a person. And, uh, and I, I, I kind of instilled that in my children. Uh, I try to take that attitude, and it's been, it's been very helpful for me um, in both professionally and personally. All right, so how'd you get into coaching, man? What made you want to become a coach? You know, I really didn't think about it until later on in my basketball playing days. Uh, I was I was injured my last year in Europe, playing in Germany, and I was out for three months. And I was sitting on coaches' meetings um, with our coaching staff, and they would, you know, ask, ask me questions and ask for suggestions, and I would just, you know, chime in every once in a while. And, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. From that side, I knew I was at the tail end of my career, and you know I started seeing, you know, the game from a different from different lens, and I I knew I wanted to, you know, give it a shot, and I got my first opportunity in Germany to, to start coaching, and, and it went from there. I mean, so now that you are in the coaching, I mean, you're obviously on Steve Clipper's staff. What's your job um, under him, and what's it like working um, for him um, this year? Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, I've never been around a coach that's so prepared, uh, that's so detailed. He's been around for a long time. You know, he really knows the league and you know, obviously he's very knowledgeable and it's been it's been great thus far. Uh, he kind of had me uh, dealing with the personnel. So uh, it's great for me to, um, to learn the league, to learn the players around the league. Uh, obviously, I do player development with our players. Uh, so it's, it's been it's been a very, very a uh, good experience uh, for me so far. I'm learning a lot, growing a lot under him, and uh, it's, I'm just I'm just very fortunate to be a part of his staff. You mentioned being fortunate. It's kind of most rare to like be on the staff for one year, have a chance in being a staff another year. So, what's it like for you to kind of be with Cliff and kind of go from one staff to another with different coaches around you, and you got trying to mess together out there? You know what? Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. Right, this is my first time going through this transition period, and um, obviously Cliff made it very easy for us. Um, you know, made us all feel comfortable. He gave us all our roles, and it was very clear from the start. And I think that really helped me. Um, you know, transition from one coach to another. Um, and, and again, like I'm very happy. And I was very fortunate to be retained. And you know, and, this, and again, I just, just want to keep enjoying this and keep uh, learning from Cliff and helping our guys um, improve every day. Well, you mentioned um, player development. Before we get into that a little bit, um, you know, obviously talked about Hofstra connection. One guy on the staff is Jay Hernandez. What's it been like to be with him? How has he kind of helped you 
come on board here the last couple of years? Well, Jay's been fantastic. Obviously, I know Jay for 25 years. Uh, um, his family and my family are very close. Uh, he kind of he kind of helped me get in this profession. Um, well, on this side of the, of, of, of the world, right in the United States, uh, I started in Germany, but he helped me get in the G League, helped me get my first opportunity uh, with the Erie Bayhawks when he was in Orlando. Um, and now to have the chance to to you know to work with Jay every single day, it's been a dream come true. We never thought about this when we were in college. Uh, so yeah, it's, he's been great. Um, Jay is one of the best people, one of the best coaches that I've been around. So I'm very very happy to be back with him and connected with him. And it's, it's been it's been really good. Now you mentioned player development. What is your role out there? I mean, I know you in the G League bubble, you know, a couple of years ago with guys like, you know, um, you know Nick Richards and, and Jalen McDaniels. Um, what's your role in the team? How do you help guys develop player-wise? And, and um, what are you seeing from those two guys specifically, you know, and their development over the last couple of seasons? Well, it's... it's Definitely is whatever Cliff sees in our guys. We kind of collab and we just try to focus on the things that he see uh, those guys being good at and helping our, our ball club. So uh, it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a good collaboration with Cliff and just trying to implement the th things that he want to teach. Uh, obviously, we had Jalen and Nick in the, in the G League bubble. It was a very unique situation because of the bubble and the pandemic at the time. And uh, But those guys were great. Jalen was with us only a short period of time. But during that time, you can see he already, uh, you know, showed growth and development. He was able to help our younger guys because he's been in the program. Nick and, and Nick and Nick, uh, in regards to Nick, he didn't have a summer league because of COVID. So that was kind of like his summer league. And, um, you know, Nick was fantastic. And the one thing I, I really enjoy about both of those guys, you can coach them. They're willing to get better. They're willing to grow. Um, and they're very good, you know, young men. And, you know, they, they both show good development during that time, and I'm very happy to see them getting the opportunity now in the NBA and giving us good minutes. Yeah, behind the scenes, I mean, I think a lot of fans don't see the work that you guys as coaches kind of put in with the players to kind of help them, whether it's, it's a certain move, um, a certain um, place you want them to be on the floor. Just how important is that when you're out there working with them pregame to get them in the right mindset and actually help them improve in ways that are going to make you guys as a team just better overall out there? Oh, it's extremely important. Uh, you know, we we have, you know, concepts here that we that we, that we implement, you know, during our practices. And we try to put our players in our development sessions in those positions. So when the game comes, they, they're comfortable and they have reps doing it. So I think that's one of the most important things about player development is trying to implement uh, our concepts you know, during our development sessions. And um, that's something that Cliff stressed a lot. Uh, and that's something that, you know, as a staff, we just try to focus on. And, and it's been helpful uh, with, with our guys thus far. Yeah, when you look at this, the season for you guys so far, I mean, obviously you don't have your full roster per se. Just what have you seen um, behind the scenes that people don't know about that you guys are doing? Because it seems like obviously when, you, when you're losing, people see the frustration, but they don't know the work and how much these guys really want it. I mean, what about that um, behind the scenes that people don't see for you guys? Well, they don't see our guys are, are working their tails off, obviously. But one thing that I've been most impressed with our guys, they've been locked into the details. Um, you know, every single game we, we're seeing growth um, on both sides of the ball. And obviously we're shorthanded right now without some guys playing 
and we're, you know, we're not, you know, our record isn't what we want it to be. But from a detail standpoint, from a focus standpoint, um, from a work ethic standpoint, our guys are putting the work every single day behind the scenes, and we couldn't ask for more. Um, and obviously, we had a tough one in Miami last night, but we watched the game, we saw we fought, and, you know, we really paid attention to the details. So that's the one thing I'm impressed. We got a young group, and, you know, that's tough for a young group. Cliff is doing a good job implementing his message, and our guys do a good job concentrating and focusing and taking that message in. And then just last thing is I asked the guys usually about, you know, number one out there, LaMelo, man. Just I know he's not playing, per se, for you guys these first 13 games, but just if somebody who sees him every day, um, what he brings to the, to the table for you guys behind the scenes and on the court, just what can you say about him impression-wise that you've been able to kind of just gather your time around him um, the past couple of years? He's a very, very, very fun guy to be around. I mean, you know, he's always light. He's always, um, he always has a positive attitude. You know, these are things you don't know until you meet these guys, right, personally. And, you know, getting to know him, being around him, you know, it's just a breath of fresh air just because he brings positive energy every single day to the gym. And uh, I really enjoy that. Our, our guys really enjoy that. We, we obviously miss him on the floor. Um, can't wait till he gets back and, um, you know, and, and bring that energy both on and off the court for us. So, uh, but he's been a joy to be around. He's a hard worker, very good guy. And, um, you know, and we're just excited to get him back. Hey, well, thanks for some time, Norm. I know you're a busy guy, man. You got a lot of work to do down there in South Beach as you guys get ready to kind of try to turn things around this road trip. So thanks for giving me some time, my guy. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Rob, for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so many, many thanks to Norm Richardson for joining me this week. I appreciate his time and him giving us some insight in terms of, you know, what he does on Steve Clifford's staff and just how he's been able to carve a niche for himself the last couple of seasons here um, with the Hornets. Um, so many thanks to Norm Richardson for joining me. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Now as we look ahead to what the Hornets have coming up, I mentioned it earlier um, when we first came on, first part of the pod essentially the hornets have another just huge road swing coming up here anybody who's knows the schedule and, and studied it can see that they have a lot of road games you know early on very very road heavy so if they're going to be able to kind of gather themselves here and write themselves it's going to have to happen on the road which obviously is a very difficult task so they conclude their Florida road trip um, but again, by taking on the Heat Saturday night and then going to Orlando on Monday before they come home to host Indiana in a midweek on Wednesday before a another two tough road game trip that takes them to Cleveland and Washington. So again, out of their next five games they have coming up, four on the road and that's not a great thing for a team that's kind of struggling right now. So we'll see how they pick it up, but it's going to be very imperative for the Hornets to collect themselves and do it ASAP because I understand that things could turn around quickly. Standings in the Eastern Conference right now, if you look at them, a lot of teams that people may thought um, could be top echelon teams like Philadelphia, um, even Brooklyn, obviously, just kind of getting it together. So it's not panic time. You know, they're, they're only a few games back in the standings, per se. Uh, but it just 
they have to get it together sooner than later. There's still plenty of time to get it together, but you don't want to be, you know, 10, 13, 14 games below 500. Once that kind of happens, you're swimming uphill all season, trying just to get to 500 so you can just potentially become a playoff team. So if you can't get at least two or three of these next four games and, and pick up wins to kind of get yourselves going the right direction here, it could definitely be a long stretch for the Hornets because the schedule doesn't get any easier going forward. This week's random stat to me tells you just how much the Hornets are struggling right now, especially on offense. The stat is 106.3. It's not a radio station. It's a stat, I promise. But it's the Hornets' offensive rating. That ranks them 28th out of 30 teams in the league. For those who are unaware, the offensive rating basically is the amount of points scored by that team per 100 possessions. So, in essence, the Hornets are scoring 106.3 points per 100 possessions. Again, that places them essentially in the bottom of the league. That tells you just how much they're struggling right now. It's a total reversal from early in the season when they essentially were the highest scoring team in the league and they were right there in terms of being able to push the pace and all different things. But right now, the offense has not been good enough. And that number tells you that you're not seeing things. It's not an optical illusion. 106.3, that has to improve. Otherwise, it's going to be a very, very long season for the Hornets. So there you have it. Many, many thanks to my guest, Norm Richardson. And thank you so much for joining me for this latest episode of QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com. And for a special offer to gain full access, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right. Until next time, we out.